Welcome back to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. This is the podcast for brands who are in the growth stage who really want to continue to scale where we talk about marketing and what's working for the fastest growing brands. My name is Dylan Kelly. I'm the founder and CEO at Waybreak. We are an email and SMS marketing agency that creates and optimizes best-in-class email and SMS marketing programs for some of the fastest growing brands in e-commerce. If your email program is not fully optimized, you're leaving a lot of money on the table and you can learn more about how we can help you uh, get that to the next level by operating as an extension of your team and running and optimizing your program alongside your team at wavebreak.co. Uh, really excited for today's episode. It is a, um, a snippet that I've taken from a recent webinar I did uh, with my friend David, who is founder and CEO of a company called InBeat, uh, which is an influencer marketing software. And then they also have an agency called InBeat Agency. And he goes over uh, really effective strategies that they're using to help companies like Nordstrom, Soylent, and a bunch of others generate massive UGC at scale using micro influencers. And he walks through step-by-step how to do it, how to get the highest quality UGC. Um, and then their clients are going and using this cross channels uh, everything from paid social to on their website to um, email channel and seeing really great results and standing out in these times of increased ad costs. And when every iOS update rolls out, it just gets harder. UGC is something uh, that a lot of brands are leaning into and finding a lot of success. So David's going to go over exactly what that looks like in 2021 right now and how you can leverage that leverage that as you head into the holiday season. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. Uh, like I said, this is a recording from a recent webinar. Uh, so go ahead and listen and enjoy. What is in Beats? So we've built this platform essentially to help brands work with the top 1% of social media creators. And we did so in three axes, uh, self-serve model where we have a database with a million plus influencers in their contact information. And, you know, people just go in and find the influencers. I saw that a couple of our customers signed up in this webinar. Now we have the Vetted Network, which is a network of influencers that we've worked with and identified as top performing influencers through our full service solution, where we actually just do the entire service for us. So for, for our clients. So essentially that's Embiid in a nutshell, three pillars. I won't bore you anymore with what we do and go right into the gist of how we can use um, UGC. So the gist of this uh, presentation is just to uh, underline the uh, state of the UGC right now, how to leverage it, how to scale it, and what it looks like when executed in real life. So in other words, that's gonna be the four steps that we're gonna be going through. So before we get started, let's just set the best stage for the state of user-generated content. So. As of now, UGC is becoming a dominant ways for, for consumers to interact with brands. We're seeing it across every brand that we work with. More and more brands are using UGC in their paid media. They're using it to power their social media calendars. As of Q4 of this year is coming, we have tons of people asking us to create content through users and micro-influencers to generate content for their uh, content calendars on TikTok meaning that UGC is becoming a central piece of this whole kind of um, puzzle. Brands are losing control of their centralized narrative, meaning that it's not anymore a top-down kind of brand messaging uh, model where a brand creates an ad, gets it approved, distributes it through TV. Now the message is decentralized, meaning that people are posting photos with Enikins every day, and that's the brand. The brand is not the Enikin ad anymore. It's what people are posting and sharing with the brand. So 
the brands are losing control on their centralized narrative, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it really sets the stage for user-generated content and the importance of actually helping to craft that narrative. And leading online brands are tapping into UGC to decentralize their content creation efforts. And that, that goes into much beyond than just social media. These influencers are creating content for these brands and these brands are reusing the content across their e-commerce, their landing pages, their email marketing, they're using it everywhere. Even, you know, even though the, the main use we usually see is paid media, we see that this is, this is going much beyond that. So that's really the stage right now of, you know, what user generated content is. And what is the user as a, I want to map out the, the rise of the user as a creator. So we're really seeing a new generation of creators. These Gen Zs are very different. Mobile creators, scrappy, um, you know, non-staged content is becoming very um, trendy. We also have people that understand attention deeply, uh, which gives rise to an over-representation of micro-influencers. What I mean by that is that we are in a buyer's market. So if you are an online brand, you can get very good deals on good quality content by working with micro-influencers at scales. There are so many micro-influencers. And the reason is that there are tools, platforms, and information that are empowering everyone to be a creator. TikTok makes it extremely easy for people to create awesome content uh, with their mobile phone, iPhone 12, you know, iPhone 11, even the content quality is there. The quality is that the, the tools are, are so great. And the information, just the YouTubers, just showing people how to create content on a regular basis. So you've got all of these things together with a generation of people that grew up with cell phones in their hands. And you've got a winning formula to have the user as a creator. An additional problem that, you know, is, 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 uh, is helping this, uh, this kind of trend grow faster is that um, ad blindness is at an all-time high. People know how to recognize ads. We get blind to them. We don't see them. So when we see scrappy content um, in a news feed, we just tend to interact with it more naturally because that's, that's where we're at. We just don't feel that it's an ad as much. So these things give rise to the user as a creator. And then why should you care about UGC? And then that's going to be a good starting point to after that segue into kind of the execution. It allows you to decentralize your creative pipeline. You can have many creators creating content for your different marketing channels for any, any kind of content needs you need. So for instance, you could find great photographers on Instagram and just ask them to create content for your Amazon listing or for your landing page, or you need content in your in your email marketing you can get the creators to do so it allows you to match the right audience with the right persona at every step based on demographic age interest etc so if you need to target a yoga mom as a as an audience for a product you're releasing then it's really easy for you to go and create content around that by contacting yoga moms and getting them to create content about your brand then Rick makes it easy to run the segments in your email marketing and your paid and so forth, right? Where you can target these personas very narrowly, get, get creators that resonate with these personas and then um, create the content to match. And then after that, it creates a, a solid base, so, sorry, social baseline. It creates a solid social baseline where you just end up having reviews, product displays, lifestyle placement, et cetera, on your Instagram and people are tagging you. So when, you know, you're in that buyer's journey and people are looking at your Instagram to make that decision and whatnot, or at your TikTok for that matter, then you end up just having a strong baseline of content that's being pumped out consistently by these creators. 
and it allows you to delegate ownership of your content needs to a network of creators. So we see this more and more in the sense that um, marketing teams are building out content calendars with the help of creators and they are having these creators actually do the work of creating the content assets for a TikTok strategy, for instance. So it takes a lot of weight off marketing teams across, uh, across the, the organization and it makes it extremely easy to get people involved that know and understand TikTok and Instagram. These people spend so much time on TikTok and Instagram, and I'm t- taking these two social media as a case here, but they spend so much time there that they understand attention more than the marketing departments that are working with them. So that's a really important thing. These things together are the reasons you should care about UGC. There are definitely other reasons, but these are the ones that you know we, we've focused on and let, we're going to hone into. So here's what a step-by-step implementation looks like. Just going to go through this. The first step is really all about doing content research. So when we do, when we talk about content research, we talk about going and looking at competitors. What are they running in terms of paid ads? And looking at, okay, well, what, what are, how are they using UGC in their paid ads? Are they doing review type content? Are they doing feature type content where they display the product features? How are they using it? How are they using it on their social? Are they using it on their e-commerce website? Are they using it in their email marketing? Just sign up to your competitor's email newsletter, see how they're using UGC, and then you know you can reverse engineer from there. And then there's always social media trends. So what are the content formats that these uh, platforms are pushing out, right? If, if Instagram comes out with Reels, then Reels becomes an important asset because they're pushing it. If TikTok comes out with duets, duets becomes an important asset and we need to take it, take it into consideration. So just understanding the trends and, you know, TikTok made me buy this kind of trends, understanding these trends and building content around that is an extremely powerful way to just map out your content strategy. At this stage, what you really want is just mapping out different content ideas, getting all the assets, the ideas that you've gathered, put them into a mood board, can be a Google Doc for that matter. But you're going to send these to your creators as examples so that you can inspire them to create content. Um, More on that later, though. Then after, it's all about content planning. So matching the right stage of your buyer's journey with the right content. So if you're looking for review content for a specific stage, or if you're looking for educational content for more bottom of the funnel, they need the education component, your product has some complexity to it, you can just go right out there and get um, influencers to create content. Let's imagine an online education platform, and then they have a signup flow. And then at the end, they just want to add some review content in there, just kids leaving reviews, and then just going through reviews of like, how they found the course online and so forth. Well, can be a very interesting angle to get that, that kind of content to to um, to that bottom of the funnel traffic. So really just understanding which kind of content you want to match with uh, the buyer's journey step. And that's really what we want to do. So at this stage, we really want to understand what are our content needs, like for top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, and then just getting the creators that are going to create the content for these stages. Then it's all about um, the creative brief. So at this stage, we're ready to actually um, create a brief, which is what we're gonna be using to show the creators how to create the right content. So we like to lead by content examples and not by specific guidelines. The reason is that we don't want these creators to not be as creative because 
we restricted them too much into a brand narrative that doesn't make sense to them. So we give them examples and we give them unique selling propositions to guide them. So essentially it's like, hey, here are the USBs we want you to display. And here are some examples that we find really dope. But you know, if you want to create anything else, the floor is yours, create anything you want. After that, you want to find the right creators to match what you've actually established in the last three steps. So at this stage, it's like identifying what kind of persona we're looking for. What do they look like? How old are they? Where are they located? And so forth. And then it's pretty straightforward. All you want to do after that is guide these creators into creating content. And then there's a, there's a feedback loop here that's very important. The creators are going to give you content. You're going to give them feedback if there are feed, if there is feedback to be given. And, you know, this is a, this is a constant loop until you get the, the content that you love and, you know, the creator gets what they want. So that's essentially the content creation process where influencer goes out, creates the content, comes back, you get feedback if there's feedback and that's it in a nutshell. Then it's all about creator retention. So that's the piece that allows for scalability down the line. Creators are crushing it. Some are just going to understand it better than others. Some people love your brand out of the gate. These creators you need to keep and onboard on an ongoing basis. So, you know, if they're creating great content, just send them more product, pay them for more content. Just go along those lines of, okay, well, let's get these creators to work with us on an ongoing basis. Again, Treat them as an extension of your team. That's really important. And these people are just going to power your content calendar on TikTok. They can do Instagram takeovers and so forth, right? It's just about having them be your content team, essentially. So think about the paradigm of building a content team rather than just a micro-influencer relationship. Then you can scale your UGC using all the steps that we went through. So you onboard as many creators as you need or as you can, and then you retain the ones that are good. You um, exclude the ones that didn't work out, and then you just keep building your program like that. You wake up one year later, you have 150 creators that are creating awesome content for your brand on a consistent basis and are just crushing it with you. They're also a sales channel. They're allowing you to grow your, your follower count. But most importantly, they're just powering all of your content needs around your organization and just having, you know, just having content to work with for marketing teams, whether they're doing acquisition, retention, it just changes the game. If you can provide that to everyone in your organization and give them tons of content that they can reuse everywhere, it makes everything easier. So here's how to scale your, um, your, your, uh, your uh, UGC into uh, creative advertising tests. And I, so here it is. I just want to show you essentially how we do it in paid media. So essentially what we'll do is we'll look at the platform, the persona, the USB and the content type. Content type being, okay, let's do an image. Let's do a 15 second video. Let's do a 30 second video. Let's do a 15 second testimonial and so forth, right? These are the things that we want to put forward. And then the USB is the unique selling proposition. Then we uh, we discover and onboard the right micro creators with the same criteria that we've just established there. We run ads to prove or disprove your test. And then we... Uh, scale our efforts based on the wins we have. So essentially, if we're realizing that a segment of our targeting is working really well, we'll get more content in there, get more more assets that we can test with. And the, the baseline of uh, Facebook ads is really just having more ad creative. If you have more ad creative, you can test more things. You can throw a designer in there, have them retouch the ads, repurpose, bundle them, debundle them, and so forth, make cuts, add animations to it and so forth and run tons of tests.
And then just want to show you in real life what this looks like. Um, here's a company we work with, Phone Loops. Uh, I think we have onboarded with them over, we've orchestrated over 2,000 collaborations. We have 1,000 VVIPs, we call them in this program. They're people that just love the brand and create content on a consistent basis. And we use them everywhere. We use them in Facebook and Instagram ads. We use them in newsletter. We also always add a designer on top of our uh, UGC layer to just do kind of cool video animations, mix it, mix and match it with the kind of um, the kind of uh, ads that we're looking to run. We think it just gives us more ability to to test different things. And then we have this year of you know blue owl salmon are powering their entire content calendar through um, an army of chefs, home chefs that are just crushing it, creating this amazing content. And you look at that, and these are people that are homegrown video creators, by no means have a professional training in that, and they're just crushing it. And we have hundreds of examples with them. If you want to go see their, their Instagram page, it's doing crazy. Here's a Wild Fang Nordstrom drop that we orchestrated. Again, here they absolutely crushed it, uh, created this. This is actually content that was created through user-generated user content, which, which is mind-blowing when you look at like the quality of the content we get, the engagement that we get from the following and so forth. So another example of how you can use that. And then after that, when we, we look at that, we take the posts that are the most engaging and then we reuse them on our on our social media, of course, but then we can run ads on top of them and see if they convert and have a positive ROAS in regards to what we're looking for. This is another company called BTAN, uh, self-tanner moose. Uh, they're, they're crushing it as well. Lots of video content working really well. If you go look at their Facebook ads library, many different displays of this, the, the um, different uh, appliers for the moose and it, it's working amazingly well again all powered through users that are just creating this content on an ongoing basis for us and yeah that's essentially it in a nutshell awesome thanks so much david um dude that was great and thanks for the examples at the end too to really tie it together that was great so yeah, that's kind of like step one of really standing out in such a competitive marketplace right now. UGC is working extremely well. Um, David, you obviously know that firsthand. So thanks for walking us through that. Next, yeah. Next thing we want to jump into is like, okay, so now that you have the, that UGC, you're you're driving people from organic social to your website. How do you continue that experience? Uh, because for a lot of websites, which um, Danielle, you'll get into this, but it's like, typically it just goes back into a bit of a different experience. Um, so we're going to be talking more about social commerce and what's going on there. And then once you're done with that, we'll um, I'll dive into the email strategy that we use to drive over $1.75 million in revenue for a client in a week. So let me go ahead and pull up my screen here uh, for you, Danielle. And while I do that, do you want to just introduce yourself in Famous? Yeah, for sure. So hi, everybody. I'm Danielle Peterson. I'm the head of marketing over here at Famous. Um, and so I'll just give you kind of a high level intro of Famous. So you can think about us as a integrated design engine for commerce, so to speak. Um, we aim at really empowering small businesses, uh, designers, merchants um, to very quickly create these customized uh, visual experiences. And um, the goal here is to create these experiences across multiple platforms um, within minutes so that you can have a shopping experience set up, shared and active um, and ready to go so that you can sell anything anywhere very simply uh, at any time. 
So that's famous at a high level. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to dive in here. So yeah, perfect, Dylan. Thank you. So what is what exactly is social commerce and, and why is it so important? Um, so social commerce, I think we can all agree, is, is a really fast-growing space right now um, that presents major opportunities for brands. Um, first of all, consumers are doing more on their phones than ever before, especially on the go and on social media platforms in particular. So uh, as the pandemic hit and started to reshape the way that everyone purchased, uh, we've seen some major changes. Uh, just to sort of over-communicate this, um, 70 9% of smartphone users are making purchases on their mobile phones, and that number is growing rapidly. Um, social commerce sales in the US were estimated at nearly 27 billion, um, and the influence of social media continues to rise. So this number is expected to reach about uh, 37 billion this year, and then a staggering 79 billion by 2025. So I know that was like kind of a lot of statistics for you, but it really helps to set the stage as to why this is so important and social commerce is, is really starting to, to kind of explode. So, um, you know, another, another, uh, setting the stage, so to speak, examples of this type of, of social commerce include the Instagram shop, the TikTok shop, TikTok shop, excuse me, where users can, can press on a video or an ad and then be directed back to the brand's website or, uh, to purchase a product. Um, so on top of all that, social commerce is really continuing to bridge the gap between e-commerce and social media. Consumers are, are seeking highly personalized experiences through the channels and platforms that they're, that they're most active on. Um, they also want to be able to share things they buy or want to buy with their friends online and have this sort of shared experience um, on a more personal level than, than before. Um, so, so the consumer brand relationship has become much more intimate and personalized with the rise of social commerce. Um, to, to kind of make a long story short, one second, Dylan, I'm just going to finish up on the, on the, there you go. Yeah. Uh, brands, brands really need to ensure that they provide the type of customized and memorable experience on mobile and then tailor it to the needs and experience and expectations of their, of their different audience segments. So not just engaging social media posts and ads, uh, within your marketing campaigns, but also a seamless experience throughout those, the next steps of those ads. So for example, when the customer clicks on on your post or ad or a link in your bio um, on a particular platform, they need to then land on a page that provides the targeted and relevant content um, in, in high quality designs and visuals that, that are really the expectation right now. Um, okay, perfect. Next slide, Dylan. Uh, so how so how can we create these engaging experiences um, on social media through these through immersive pages um, with the overall goal of driving conversions, right? So so two things here. First of all, um, optimizing landing pages for mobile, right? That seems like a no-brainer, but I mean, of course, shoppers want to be on their phones using social media apps. We know this, um, meaning that right now their entire shopping experience will, will occur on mobile. So it's super crucial that you optimize your pages and designs for mobile as it's different from the desktop experience. Um, just to set the stage here, um, and bear, bear with me while I share a few more stats, but I really want to convey the importance of this piece. Um, mobile makes up 52% of internet traffic and desktop use is, is declining rapidly. Um, so research shows that 91% of consumers will leave a mobile app or site if it doesn't satisfy their needs. Um, and when I mean needs, it's the expectation that they have for this very personalized um, experience on mobile. 
Um, secondly, uh, the use of immersive well-branded design. So your mobile pages should have some of the following key elements. Um, very immersive, engaging visuals uh, with so much competition right now, it's very hard for brands to get customers' attention online. And it, it literally only takes approximately 50 milliseconds for visitors to form an opinion about a website and then leave if they're not if they're not into what they're seeing. So this translates over to your social posts and pages using immersive visuals, as well as you know, the click-throughs beyond those. Um, uh, customers are twice as likely to purchase a product if, um, if it has a 3D product image rather than just a flat image. Um, on top of the design piece, the messaging that, that's straight to the point and very customized and easy to understand, um, conveying the value, being, being very value focused with your product provides um, people the ability to feel like they're, they're in an experience, so to speak. Um, Next, intuitive navigation that, that allows the user to easily browse your pages and see access, uh, see and access relevant products and information. So think about the design of your, of your store, your site, your pages um, in the way you would a physical store, right? So you wouldn't uh, walk into a retail store who has like a rusty door or unpainted walls, um, shabby furniture, things like that, that you really, you really just, people have expectations for where they shop. And that's, that's what, um what, you know, social design and social commerce is really aimed at right now. Okay. Next slide, Dylan. Awesome. So, so how can we really maximize Q4, Q4 results? Um, the disrupting effects of the pandemic on the e-commerce industry continue, right? Markets and supply chains still haven't fully recovered. Um, products are taking much longer to arrive. Prices are increasing. Um, so, despite the holidays being a couple months away, brands really need to go and, and be on high alert and prepare now to capitalize on the, on the kind of unusual holiday shopping seasons that we've been seeing the last couple of years. Um, and learning from last year's experience, consumers are beginning to shop for holidays right now at this very moment. And, and brands are really worried about how to manage demand and, and they don't want to fall behind. So getting on top of the supply chain is important. Um, it'll be crucial to engage with shoppers now through positive uh, shopping experiences on social media. Um, as laid out earlier, the, the immersive design and the high quality pages become increasingly important. <clears throat> Next slide, Dylan. Thank you. Um, so really the key takeaways here um, that if brands aren't leveraging social commerce trends, they're really missing out on huge opportunities for, for an increase in sales. Brands shouldn't have to think about the distribution channel so much. So social, e-commerce, standard commerce, email, any of these other channels, um, you should be able to create these, these visuals and then push out to these channels um, very easily. Um, and they should just be able to design once, right? So we, we want to be able to create an experience, design it, and then push it out again to all those dis different distributions. Um, focus on building, engaging, and memorable mobile and social experiences. Don't just direct shoppers to your website or homepage. Really, it's about creating the next step in the shopping journey um, beyond just the post or the ad. Um, so you, you really are hitting them with relevant relevant content um, right when they need to see it um, and, uh, and on a more personal level. 
and then really just get ahead of the of the holiday shopping season now by launching you know all this said designs and creative the well-branded marketing campaigns and then and then focusing um beyond that on the continued journey and that's it for me awesome Thanks, Danielle. Uh, yeah. yeah. And if anybody has any questions along the way, drop them in the Q&A function. We will get to those at the end. But um, yeah, it's super important. I think a lot of brands, you know, you focus so much on like the marketing before people get to your site. Now with things getting more competitive, things getting harder, huge lever that uh, brands really need to start pulling is really... Well, a couple of things. Like one, focusing on converting more of that traffic. And two, being an extension of the place where that traffic came from. That's one thing we even do with the email channel at Wavebreak is like we really view it as another feed. Um, because like it's like people will send you into an e-commerce experience that's very different than uh, you know, the social experience you just were. And so really merging the two is extremely important. Uh, so thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um, now I will be going over the Black Friday and uh, email and SMS strategy that we use to uh, drive over $1.75 million for a client in one week. So that was for high growth DTC brand. I'll show some examples as well as we go. Uh, but we just pulled the numbers based on last year. That was a single week. Inside of November, December, we did a lot more revenue. Um, like I said, it's for one high growth DTC brand across all our clients. We did a lot more than that. Uh, and we've tested this strategy over the last five years. So it's super dialed. So at this point, um, it's proven. So you can steal it and uh, you will have a really great November and December. So first things first, I want to talk about who this is for. Uh, so this is really for e-commerce brands selling direct consumer who already have product market fit. So if you're doing over... I mean, really ideally over 3 million a year, like you're not just going to print a magic like $2 million by following this strategy if you're not at scale. Um, you know, That's for uh, e-commerce brand who did like millions of dollars in revenue through Q4 alone. Um, but if you have product market fit, you're doing decent revenue and you really want to crush Q4, um, whether you're an advanced enterprise brand or high growth direct consumer company, this strategy is going to work for you. And one reason why it's really important um, and why I also wanted to have Danielle and David on today is because ads are already getting more expensive. Uh, year over year, ad costs are increasing significantly. It's not just getting more expensive. It's also getting more difficult with every iOS update that rolls out. It feels like more and more you're gambling and playing slots. Uh, and these costs are only going to keep rising as we get closer to Black Friday. So that's why you know leaning into UGC or leaning into landing pages and leaning into email and SMS is so important because you really have to make every single uh, dollar that you spend count. And so in my training, I'm going to be going over how to have your biggest Black Friday, Cyber Monday ever by leveraging your existing audience and customers. So you don't have to go out and find anybody new to implement this strategy. And I'm going to show you how to do it using email and SMS. So if you don't know me, I'm Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. Uh, we're a boutique email and SMS marketing agency working with some of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer brands. Uh, in addition to that, if you recognize my voice, I'm also host of the Waybreak podcast sponsored by Clavio. Just hit 200 episodes this week, uh, almost uh, four years of content I've been putting out. Um, so if you need a new podcast to add to your list, go ahead and look that up after. And we've helped generate over $100 million in profitable revenue growth for our clients as a result of implementing strategies like this and optimizing them over time. So today, the strategy we're going to be going over is something that we call the big wave method. So basically, if you want to have your biggest Black Friday ever, this strategy is going to be your secret weapon. Um, and it's even effective when it's not Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So for example, you know, early Memorial Day sale in May, we ran 
It did over $414,000 in a week just from email. That doesn't include SMS. Uh, and it's even more effective during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And it didn't happen by accident. Like I said, we've been running this strategy for the last five plus years and optimizing it every single year. Um, and that process, like I said, is called the big wave method. And it does work all year, but it's extra powerful during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And like I said, you know, many times it was really successful for one of our clients last year. And so before we dive into how to do that, we have to realize that like email marketing isn't what it used to be. You can still make a lot of money with email, but you can't just spray and pray like it's 2005. You can't even email like it's 2016 anymore just because it's getting so competitive in the inbox. You really need to do everything you can to stand out. And there's two mistakes that we see uh, e-commerce or direct consumer brands make. The first one is that they really lack an advanced email and SMS strategy. So they're still kind of doing a lot of the basics or they're only operating on like 50% or 60% of the strategy or maybe even 20 to 40% of the strategy that they should be. And then the next piece is they don't execute strong enough. Like you have a lot of great ideas, but at the end of the day, email and SMS is a ton of work. So if you don't execute it effectively, you're not going to see those results. And with every time you do that, uh, that's revenue flushed down the train, which is extremely make or break now with increased ad costs. Like Danielle was saying, like the changes to supply chain, like really every dollar counts for maximizing your margin. Uh, so definitely don't want to leave email and SMS revenue on the table that's already inside your business. And so the first thing you want to think about is if you want to dominate Black Friday, you can't just start on Black Friday. And a big part of that is not having a dead email list. And so instead, what you want to do is grow and warm up your email list leading into Black Friday. And I'm going to share how to do that. So this is actually an example from Just Uno, uh, where their pop-up had a conversion rate of 14.83%, which is very high compared to the industry standard. Um, and all they did was they weren't even giving away anything, any specific discount. It was just sign up for early access to Black Friday deals. So they weren't even giving away margin to acquire the email. Once you get that email or you have an existing list, what you want to do is use something we call priming to warm up your email list and have them ready to buy on Black Friday. Um, so what it requires you to stop doing though is sending random email campaigns with no rhyme or reason to them. So what we do to really crush it on Black Friday is we take a step back and start to think about why and how people actually buy. So like for, for one reason people don't buy is because they have objections. So leading up to Black Friday, if you have a lot of non-buyers on your list who you want to target, you can send emails that address objections and answer FAQs. So this is a good example from Reebok where they just simply like, hey, not sure what size. We offer 30-day free returns, not sure what to get, browse through our top sellers. Like they're just answering those frequently asked questions. And what we like to do is implement that into our marketing strategy over time leading up to Black Friday. So subconsciously and subliminally, we're taking those objections off the table. So when people are ready to buy on Black Friday, they're ready to go and they just go because it's they're not worried about any objections. The next thing we do is really tease content that people and products that people um want to buy and also send content that's like really engaging. So for example, um, sending content that's not just salesy all the time. So sending like value-based content, like blog posts, videos, you know, even just featuring customers through UGC, like David said, is really effective for building engagement in your list. Uh, it's kind of like uh, ATM. Like if you don't put any money in it, you're not going to be able to make a withdrawal. And so you want to make these deposits so that you can make withdrawal when it comes to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So some examples we run with clients is uh, featuring blog posts, featuring videos, tips and tricks, lookbooks, or just sending entertaining content. 
um, to keep them engaged with the list as we wait for Black Friday to come. Uh, the other piece is like people may or may not trust you or trust the product. Uh, that's why showcasing customer reviews and building up trust before you need to use it, Black Friday is really effective. And the next piece is like they don't buy because they don't know that you have what they want. So what we recommend doing is also like leading up to Black Friday is exposing customers to the rest of your product catalog. Like if you have a lot of SKUs and people you're known for a few hero products, what you can do is leading up to Black Friday really showcase the rest of your collection. And so people start to get an idea of some other things that they can buy when Black Friday, Cyber Monday rolls around. I think we've all been in a scenario where it's like, we see something and then you want it and you can't stop thinking about it. And then they hit you with that discount. You're like, I can't not buy it. So that's what you want to do, but do it intentionally in advance. Um, And then just when you think about Black Friday in general, competition for attention is really at an all-time high. And using email and SMS, you can make it easy for people to convert because you can put the content they need to see right in front of them. Just like David was saying, like ad fatigue is a real thing. That's why UGC is working really well. Um, that's what's so great about email and SMS, especially SMS nowadays, is it just cuts through the noise at an incredible rate, which is why step two of our recommendation is to launch SMS if you haven't already. Um, like I said, it's just cutting through the noise. We're seeing over 80% open rates. You know, Some people say 99%, but even if it's just 80%, it's still significantly higher than the email channel. And it's resulting in a lot of revenue. So for brands doing over 3 million a year, we regularly scale SMS into a 40,000 a month channel at minimum within 60 days. And then typically within the next uh, few months, within six months, it's not uncommon for us to scale the email channel into an 80 to 120,000 a month channel. We have customers who... uh, We just pulled the number uh, last week. A customer has done almost $26 million year to date from SMS. Granted, they're a nine-figure direct consumer brand, but it's cutting through the noise. And even I was skeptical of it initially. So what we did was really work closely with our clients to see, like, is it actually driving real revenue? And so we looked in Shopify and we would see spikes. And then we uh, collaborated with them and they would talk to their warehouse and they'd say, yeah, we're shipping out more orders. So SMS is extremely effective. So how do you integrate that into your Black Friday, Cyber Monday strategy? Start growing your list immediately, uh, similar to like I showed earlier for growing your email list. Like, give people early access to your sales via SMS. Set up an abandoned cart. Uh, ROI on an abandoned cart SMS is as high as 333x, uh, which is crazy. So for every dollar you spend on that, you make 333 back. And with 80% open rates, you're capturing a lot more than email. And then also send SMS campaigns to those subscribers during your Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. So while everybody's fighting over the inbox, you're in there too, but you're also sending texts to stand out from the noise. And so tying it all together, like what should your actual Black Friday email and SMS sequence look like? Like I just said, like the inbox is super crowded on Black Friday weekend. So don't just send one email and hope for the best. You can have a great subject line. You know, this year there's going to be a lot more emojis than when this screenshot was taken. But um, you don't want to just send one email and hope for the best. That's why SMS is going to be so effective. It just stands out compared to the inbox that gets lost. Uh, but also to combat that, at minimum, you should really be emailing your list daily during Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, if not more, just to stay on top of the inbox because you have the best subject line in the world. But if 100 emails come in after you send your morning email, nobody's going to scroll that far down. And then the next piece is 
really work hard on those emails. Uh, one of the number one levers we pull for our clients at Wavebreak is focusing on quality. And by focusing on quality, we're able to improve results without increasing send volume, without increasing unsubscribes. And it really does, it, it really is like the number one lever you can pull to drive more email revenue. Especially considering this time of year, you're competing with a lot of other brands and people can just easily swipe away. So if you create engaging, compelling content that stands out in the inbox, you're going to come out on top compared to everybody else. And then, like I said, make sure you're adding an SMS to stand out from the noise. And so here's an example of a really simple but effective email sequence that you can copy for the weekend. It's really easy. First things first, launch a sale teaser email. Send this a few days before your sale launches to get people excited for it. Just like you know, you think of like Kanye West dropping his new album. Like there were so many days where like, oh, it's gonna launch, it's gonna launch. It just gets people excited and, and talking about it. Next piece is announcing the sale. We recommend doing this, you know, the morning of, and then just following up. So like always sending sale reminders, creating a few variations of the reminder email itself too. To be sending throughout the weekend. I think a lot of people overcomplicate what content should be included. Uh, it's 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 a mix of volume and quality, like I said. But a lot of people put way too many words in their Black Friday Cyber Monday email, and then people never read it. They just skip, and then they go to the one that's easiest to read and understand. So be sure to remind people about your best offer of the year, and then also use real urgency and, and leverage that sale end date to drive more performance. And then the next thing you want to do is on the morning of the last day, let people know it's their last day to save. Let them know when the sale is ending. We found that when you mention, uh, you know, if you mention like a time, it's not as effective. But if you mention like there's only hours remaining, that tends to be really effective messaging. Countdown timers really help too. Um, and then if the sale went well and you want to extend it or you have other revenue goals you want to hit, uh, it does make sense to sometimes extend the sale for another 24 to 48 hours and you can see more performance out of there. You might even want to plan on extending it in advance beforehand uh, because that messaging just works really well. And then uh, let them know when the sale is closing permanently. Um, so uh, that's another lever to pull. It's like letting people know it's never going to be extended again is really powerful and is going to drive that last... Uh, um, that last squeeze of revenue before it's over. And here's just an example uh, from Bloft uh, years ago, like them doing uh, just a few different emails, similar creative. It's like, hey, coming soon. Uh, here's the sale. Now it's ending. Uh, it's, it's really that simple sometimes, uh, but really effective. And then also mirror these really important emails as SMS as well. I keep reiterating that because SMS is such a powerful channel when you do it right. And just some bonus pro tips for this year specifically, uh, launch your sale before Thanksgiving to beat your competition. When we're thinking about shipping times, you might even want to launch it as early as you know, maybe not November 1 exactly. Potentially, you could if you wanted to, but early November is going to be important. Uh, we did that with clients last year, and it was really effective. We ended up driving more revenue by launching the sale early. People do still wait till Black Friday, Cyber Monday to buy. Um, but you do generate more revenue by launching early because you beat the competition. People have more of their budget, um, and plus, you just want to—you'd rather have like less refunds and customer service headaches from people not getting their packages in time. Uh, the next pro tip is segment your email list so that you're not emailing people, or same with SMS, you're not texting people who have made a purchase in the last two weeks. This even happened to me yesterday. I bought something, and then I find out today that it's like fifty percent off, and it's just like really unfortunate. 
Uh, but if I didn't find out, I wouldn't even know, and they could have kept the margin. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to go back and ask for it, um, you know, or return the product get something again. Like people do that. We, if you're not in customer service as a marketing leader, go in there. Uh, your 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 CS team is going to love you if you segment these people out well in advance. And then one other thing that I want to talk about that I didn't include, just as like a bonus pro tip, is. Um, just like, yeah, being aware of shipping times and everything like that this year, it's super important. Um, so really think about being earlier uh, rather than later. And then using those shipping deadlines as a really powerful lever of real urgency to get people to buy before it's too late. So if there is an earlier shipping deadline, really communicate that via email, via text, uh, so that people... Um, you know, like you very rarely get real urgency that powerful throughout the year. So use it to your advantage. And so just to quickly recap and summarize, warm up your email list by adding value, addressing those objections and taking them off the table and just sending thoughtfully heading up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Launch an SMS program if you haven't already, or if you have and you just haven't been engaging with it, really start... Um, really start uh, to optimize and make it a core of your marketing program. And then be assertive with your email promotion. And don't be afraid of sending daily or more when it is the holiday season to stand out from the crowd. And so I know I just went over a lot of information and executing this strategy is really difficult. We've perfected this email and SMS strategy for our clients. And if you want to learn more about working with us, you can at wavebreak.co slash call to schedule an intro call for our team to see if it might be a fit. Um, so that's it for, for my talk here. Uh, we'll open it up to questions now. And before we do that, um, David, you want to just share uh, where we can go learn more about you and InBeat? And then when you're done, uh, Danielle, you want to just share where we can go learn more about you and Famous? Yeah, sure. So you can go to inbeat.agency uh, and book a call right there. And then uh, we can chat about that. Or you can go to inbeat.co and uh, check out our, our software stack that we operate there. Awesome. Um, and then for Famous, you guys can check out famous.co. Um, you can set up a demo to really uh, dig into the, the product. You can jump in and start a free trial right away and start creating. It's up to you, but, um, but yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. So yeah, we're, we'll stick around for a couple more minutes to answer any questions if anybody wants to throw those in the chat or the uh, Q&A function. But like before, uh, we'll, we'll give some time to let a couple of those jump in. But um, David, like... Um, talking about UGC, like what are some of the most common, I guess, like mistakes that brands are making when it comes to, I guess, like creative in general or like UGC that you see when they're really trying to like generate it at scale or just like, I don't know, just what, 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 do, what are you seeing right now on your end? Because yeah. I know you're deep in that world. I mean, what we're typically seeing is people not planning enough, right? Like just going at it, getting tons of content created, which is fine on some level. But what you want is really make sure that you, you tie that content that you're looking to create and uh, tie it to a goal. And then once you do that, then it becomes really easy to create good content systematically across all your organization. What does that look like? Like when you say goal, do you mean like specific campaigns, yeah, so specific, specific launch yeah, let's, or? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Exactly. Let's go with the specific, right? We need some review. We need some review, right? You talked about your, in your presentation, you talked about handling objections, right? Well, you could do that on a like testimonial basis with some micro influencers and then you'd map that out, right? What are the USPs we want to convey? 
in those kind of videos that we're going to be shooting and what kind of objections we want to address, right? Or questions we want to answer. And then you'd map that out like that. And where does that stand in your user journey, right? You could use that in your email marketing, just like you discussed, and then have some video content from creators in there. And then you could go and turn around and get creators to do it. That's what I mean by planning it. So you could say, we want to create content on TikTok. Here is what this content piece is going to look like. We're going to do this cooking recipe. And then after that, for this content piece, we want to make sure that we have a nutritionist talking about the the benefits of salmon and so forth, right? And planning that out is what's going to give you like a, an overarching kind of content calendar that you can deploy or else you're just going to end up with tons of the same content is what, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And we did get a Q&A for you, uh, David, which is for InBeat, does it create a library of content for the or from the influencers that you work with? Yeah, we do have a, that's a good question. We do have a feature that we're developing right now, which is the content library in there. As of now, it doesn't aggregate it. We, it, it allows you to find the influencers on the agency side. We do have a, we do have our feature that's built uh, that we provide our clients with, but in the software, it's not there yet. And then Got I it. think, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say there? Yeah, there's one for you there, right? So I work for a startup and we're just getting started, meaning we don't have a huge customer base or even a big mailing list. How do you measure a good opening rate? And how do you make sure people won't unsubscribe if you send them seven plus emails per campaign? Yeah, that's a good one, Dylan. Oh yeah, that is a good question. (laughs) I mean, first things first, like when you think of it as a startup, I would say first things first, I'd focus on like growing revenue and uh, product market fit for, um, for the brand first. Like that's really when email and SMS become your superpower when you already have that. So not that you need a huge customer base, but I think you do need a solid base to start. Um, good open rate, like uh, it, average in retail is like 15%. So everything above that is good. The smaller your list, the better your open rate probably because the higher quality and more engaged it is. Like As you get up into the millions, your open rate tends to decrease over time. But with good segmentation, you can keep that high. Um, and making sure people don't unsubscribe, it, you focus on sending quality content. Uh, even if you're sending a volume of content, if you send quality content, uh, you're less likely to have people unsubscribe. And then also just like constantly be growing your list so that if people do unsubscribe, which they will, um, you're not affected by it because you're focused on growing. Um, and then also we're only sending this high of a volume during a really prime time. And most people aren't even seeing all of those emails just because they... Um, they're they're not even seeing all those emails because there's so much competition inside the inbox already. Um, so first thing I'd focus on is like product market fit, scaling revenue to like that one to three million range first before really focusing too much on email. Um, other than that, um, yeah, that's the the rest of the answers to the other questions too. That sounds about. That sounds great. You have another one uh, for Wave Break, Dylan. I'll read it out. Do you have support for creating valuable content and catchy headlines? Um, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Like yeah, if, if we could have some specifications on that, I'm not sure I get the gist of the question either. Yeah. I mean, I've helped. Do you have people that kind of offer advice for, for those types of things? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, in-house, like the way we think about our team is like, there's a, a few core roles, like there's strategy at the high level, like moving the program forward. There's the person running the day today. Um, and then there's, uh, we have a copywriter and designer on the team too. So designers focus on making the email look great, stand out in the inbox. And then yeah, copywriters focused on writing really great copy. And speaking of like valuable content and catchy headlines, like 
I think that's where like uh, growing brands have a huge advantage because they can have fun with it. I think like almost trying less to be like a brand and like more just having fun with it. We've seen that be really effective too. Um, you know, if you want to look at brands to to copy, you know, think of like Manscaped or like companies like that or or Ballsy in this space. Um, yeah, okay. So like email subject lines because catchy and eye open. So like you know, one example of that too is like increasing open rates over time, something that's really effective is just sending really great inconsistent emails over time. Like We've not even changed our open rate strategy. Sure, we've A-B tested it for one specific client. But within 6 months, we nearly doubled their open rates by just sending consistent and quality emails. And like people get those, they open it, they enjoy the content inside. And then they keep opening because they want to see what's next. Um, and then the rest is like, you know, good, good artists copy, great artists steal. Like, go find some inspiration on brands that get you to open. And you really don't have to reinvent the wheel and just think, like, does this intrigue me uh, to open? Like, even like a sale email, you could say, you know, 50% off in the subject line, or you can say, like, our biggest sale of the year. Like, what's kind of like biggest sale of the year? That's not the best subject line, but like, what's more intriguing? You kind of want to figure out what the biggest sale of the year is versus just saying it in the subject line. So keeping it vague definitely helps too. So hope that answers the question. And I'm just going to jump in, David, really quick and and beyond the subject line. Once once you are you know getting on a consistent schedule and and getting your open rates up, it's really about the content itself and and providing the experience beyond just the content. So going back to to what I was talking about in relation to social commerce, you know the content you're providing in your email, whether it's a blog or or um, a, a podcast clip or whatever it may be. Um, where they land afterwards is extremely important in in the experience itself. So just be mindful of of that continued journey as you're as you're building these things out. Yeah, that's huge. And on that point, Danielle, I know like one thing uh, you guys focus on at Famous is like creating like an Instagram story like experience through landing pages. Like, can you talk a little bit about that and like the idea behind that and how that works? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you, what you create on famous is, is what happens after your Instagram story. So you would create the assets that you have for your Instagram story that you want to promote in your ad campaign on Instagram or, or the like, and then what famous is, is really what, what you land on. So, so we really are focused on, on the continued journey with what I just spoke about. So when you land on the Instagram story, it's an ad, you love it, you click it instead of just taking someone to like the product itself. Um, or whatever's being sold, we create this full experience that really is tailored to the segment, to the audience segment, um, so that, that it's very personalized and customized to them. They feel like they're actually immersed in the, the shopping experience and they're more likely to convert that way. Yeah, that's great. I, I think what we see about like, what I think is really cool about Famous is it is kind of like, if you were to go from an Instagram story to the landing page, it is a very, it's a much more like, extension of that experience than like landing on a collections page with like a million SKUs to pick from. And it's just like, now I feel like I'm in an aisle in a department store equivalent <laughs> online. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, that, it's that whole ability to take the someone's interest in a specific shoe and then bring them right to that shoe versus their catalog of shoes where they're like, I don't want all these shoes. I just want the shoe that I was looking at. So, yep. so yeah, that's exactly right, David. Super important. Yeah. And then like, we even saw that with a client. Our, one of our clients is like, we focus on just email and SMS, but they're wondering why their Facebook ads performance was like lower. 
And some of their ads were like linking to the wrong products. So it's like, no wonder they're not converting. Like so many brands do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From a marketing standpoint, I think that a lot of people make that mistake is that they think that they they design their campaigns and they build their campaigns and their campaigns stop after they create their ad, right? They just send them to the homepage and they just say, okay, great. You're interested in our brand. Awesome. Here's the homepage. But again, with with the pandemic and the and the rise of so many people shopping on their phones and 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 wanting the experience to be very seamless, you you just kind of have to start to think more about what happens after you create this awesome ad campaign and what that experience looks like. Um, and that's re- really where Famous comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And like thinking of um, you know just where I think like the typical marketing funnel for like a direct consumer brand is broken right now. It's like. 99% of your budget over the last couple of years has just gone into Facebook ads. It's like dollar after dollar after dollar. But the brands that are winning now are diversifying their spend into, like you said, like, you know, better landing page experience to drive more conversions, UGC to drive more conversions at scale, like more money into creative, which I think is really smart. And same on email and SMS to like get that revenue that's already in your business out. Um, I think that's a huge thing too. It's like marketing budgets are kind of broken. They're just focused on Facebook. Uh, Mm -hmm. And now it's exciting to start to see them shift away and to see brands uh, win because of that. Because it worked, right? It worked. Facebook ads worked really well. Now the the ROAS and CPMs are going down and now people have to focus on retention and building long-term customer value. So. Right. Yeah. And standing out on those platforms, like every customer you do acquire from them, it's like getting yeah. harder. So you need the UGC to stand out. You need the landing page to drive that extra bump in conversion that you, you know, that's make or break nowadays. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Oh. Do we have other questions? Here? Yeah, I think we have I think one. We do have a couple. Uh, David, what's well, the average well, age of influence for InBeat? We have a product line for 30 to 50, and I know you referenced Gen Z a bit. Yeah, so Gen Z, and I mean, Gen Z is like the new generation of creators. I mean, there's tons of influencers on on social media. 30 to 50 is well represented. It's not a suburb. I mean, people are people are on social media. Seniors are on social media. Seniors are on Instagram. Like people are spending time on social media. They're interacting with the platforms very differently. Mm-hmm. So you know, take that into consideration. You know, people that will. The, uh, you know the boomers that are that are on uh, <laughs> that are on on Instagram are interacting very differently with Instagram, but they're still interacting. Nevertheless, they're going to be looking at home renovation projects and such. You know their content interest just shifts, but they're there. They're there. They interact weirdly. If you ask a Gen Z, like you know, and if you look at the <laughs> the difference between a Gen Z and a boomer interacting on social media, it's flagrant. But yeah. They're there, they're, they have influencers and so forth. What I'd recommend doing is asking for your influencers to share their audience metrics, right? And then from there, you're just going to get the gist of, okay, who's who's working with that? Who's following these influencers and if they understand that audience? Yeah, and then focus on the content, like the actual yeah. content that they're creating, the, the people... Uh, the the thirty to fifty year old crowd, the boomer, so to speak, uh, they're looking for a different visual to click on than the Gen Z. Yeah, hundred percent. And what's what looks good for a boomer is not what looks good for a Gen yeah, Z, and that, that is a fact. That is a, yeah. <laughs> what what does look better from a UGC perspective for uh, like older audiences. Yeah, just let the uh, let the creators do it. That's what I'd recommend, and don't don't judge any of the aesthetic that they're going to yeah. come up with. That's essentially how I'd run it, right? What right. looks good, like everything that my my mom, I, I use my mom as a case study quite a lot because she's amazing on social media, and like what she clicks on just blows my mind away. Yeah. Like I, I don't even like I don't even know how she clicks on That's that. Great. And, <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So basically you're saying just trust the UGC yeah. thrown into Facebook. Yeah. The 10X ROAS yeah. has been unlocked again. Exactly. Trust it. Don't I, touch it. I 100% agree with that. I think that like they would come back with a visual and you'd be like, this is terrible. This isn't going to work. And then it will probably perform amazing. So I would 100% agree with that answer. It's, it's so true. I think brands get like, like initially you need the vision for the brand and where it's headed. But like so many brands get too caught up with like how they want the brand to look or what products they want to launch for the brand or like all these things when really the most successful brands are the ones who just like end up going with what works and understanding their customers. Like yes. product launches flop when you're like, oh, we should probably launch this. And then you don't talk to your customers and you launch it and it doesn't do well. But if you just literally emailed your customers and like, hey, what do you want to see next? They're like, oh, you should launch XYZ. And it's like you launch it and it crushes because for every one person who responded, 10 people were thinking the same thing. Same goes for UGC. It's like, I think there's a yeah. huge lesson in that too. Is like, stop doing what you want as a like really smart and creative and like aesthetically creative minded marketer and uh, just trust the audience, which is so hard to do, especially when you probably see some like really cringe creative from some of these people. <laughs> No, that that's a that's such a valuable advice, Dylan. I think um, focusing on your community, like your brand's community, and really just listening to everything that they have to say, um, it, it's right there. They'll tell you, like you'll see it clearly what it is that they're looking for, whether it be what they're looking for from your from like an ad campaign perspective or your next product launch or whatever it be. Like you you can easily like crowdsource those types of those answers to those questions that you have um, instead of spending hours brain storming behind the scenes with like your designer and your, and your marketing team. Um, the community aspect is really important in providing the content yeah. that's going to be successful. And I'd add to that, right? Like, you know, one thing we've discovered by working with influencers is trying to add like perceived value in there, right? One thing we do with influencers is we create kind of like a big visual to include all of them. And then we can ask them tons of questions because after that we give them, you know, access to they're going to be in our newsletter they're going to be featured and we have these top 50 creators and then we we add them in there and then all of a sudden you can create tons of perceived value you could do the same with client feedback you could say hey you know like what would you like us to build right and you can get ship free product to them and get their insight get them on a qualitative one-on-one -on -one call and dive into that ask questions and get out of your paradigm and mm -hmm. try to understand the world yeah no it's true and that works really well on the email channel too. Like if yeah. you ask people to launch a product, people are interested. And then those people who responded with that, you keep them updated as you go to launch the product. I've done a podcast on that before with a few people. Uh, and then when you launch the product, it does really well because everyone wants to buy it because they feel like they made it uh, and played a role in it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So we have a couple more minutes left for questions. If anyone wants to drop some Last questions. Oh, will the recording of this presentation? Yeah, we'll send the replay out as soon as it's live. I did forget to press record until like five seconds in. So the intro's cut off, but none of the important information is. Um, I knew I was forgetting something. Like when we started, I was like, that was too easy. We jumped right in. It's like, oh, I forgot to hit record. But yeah, we'll be sending out the replay after. Absolutely. Um, if I could just sort of provide a summary, I think like everything we've talked about here has spoken to like digital marketing in the traditional sense and how that's still really important, but then taking beyond like an out of the box approach to how you like funnel creative into your digital marketing efforts and your traditional marketing efforts, um, whether it be from user generated content or influencer marketing, or, you know, your continued shopping or digital experience beyond the ad and beyond the, the social media post. I think that's really uh, what I've taken from this conversation and what we've spoken about is just 
what are the, what are like pushing the limits to traditional marketing and digital marketing and then, and like taking it beyond what, what has previously been acceptable. Definitely. No. Yeah. This, this has been really fun to, to chop it up. I guess that's all the questions we have, David, anything else you would, you would add to the end of this? Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. I think, uh, Danielle really summed it up well, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Less is more. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. Danielle, thanks for coming on. I just realized we're, thanks, we're all guys. D names, the three Ds. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll get the replay out. Go check out Famous at Famous.co, Invita, Invita.co, and Waybreak at Waybreak.co. Um, there you go. Right. All dot co domains. All that's, that's <laughs> dope. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Easy to remember. Talk soon, everybody. Have a great key. Bye, everybody. Have, Have a, a good, good one. Bye. See you guys.